Hello and welcome to the Right Fight Podcast, a conversation about living a loving life. This is episode two. I'm Reg Lloyd, and we're having a conversation with Kenny Vaughn. Kenny, you are so passionate about love. Why are you so relentless and passionate about sharing what you've discovered? Well, first of all, um, when you say passionate about love, that just, that's, I don't even know what to say because <laughs> because of what it sounds like, right? Passion and love, and what I always thought love was. So like, like I I don't even like the word love in in one sense that it's it's so misdefined, you know. I, I so I like I, I'm trying to figure out what other word could I use because everyone already has a preconceived idea of what love is and it's romance and it's roses and it's and I don't even, like, feelings yeah feelings and all that stuff and 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 just ask my wife how romantic I am you know what I mean it's like I don't even know what that is uh, I got to learn but so um but yeah so why but but in the real sense of what love is why does it matter to me um because coming to understand what love really is like completely totally radically changed my life um in ways you could never imagine it's just like you know if, if everybody around you was starving and you were starving with them and then you found a source of food that was endless and people around you are still starving and and you're not wanting to share it, something's wrong right and so it's so amazingly changed everything i see like everything, not not just some things, everything, every interaction I have, everything I do, everything I understand, everything I, I witness, uh, the way I perceive everything. So um, for the better, like so, like I mentioned in the previous podcast, forever I was fighting the wrong fight and it was destroying me. Then I found the gold mine, you know, like the the, the thing that changes everything. And so I want to share it with people. But the hardest part is that it's so counterintuitive. It's like you know. What do you mean by that? I mean, just most of the stuff I'm saying 15, 20 years ago, you know, I, I wouldn't have believed it. And and so I'm trying to figure out, way. Well, hey, the hardest part is trying to say this in a way that someone, not that they don't want to hear it. Like, I think most people, are they're desperately seeking the truth. They're trying to find their way. They're trying everything they can think of, anything that may make some sort of sense. And a lot of things that make sense are absolute foolishness. You know, they're, they, they seem sensible, but they're really not if you dig a little deeper to what's really going on. And so, um, so by counterintuitive, I just mean what love really is is almost the exact opposite of what we think it is. And so you're, it's like you got everybody going this one direction. And because everybody's going that way, it feels right. And it's leading to suffering, like massive suffering. And, and I've been through all of that. And so, so I would say I was the king of self-love and the king of pride until it burned down my own kingdom. And so, and so I, when you see those people head that way and you know the truth, you, you just, you're dying to share it, you know. But just as an example, um, I, I, try, I was trying to think, what, what, what illustrates what I'm trying to say? Back in, man, I don't remember, early 2000s, I think, 04 was it, was Hurricane uh, Rita. And anyway, our whole area... Though we're in a hurricane-prone area, we'd never seen an evacuation like this. On top of that, Houston evacuated through our channels. And so everyone is being guided to the evacuation route. And we, can, we wait kind of late in the game to go. So now it's a four, what is normally a four-hour drive to Dallas is a 30-hour drive. Mm. But there, there's, 
no one knows any other way. The storm's blocking one way and the highways are shut down another way. So everybody's being forced onto this one evacuation route. We, and so it's, it's like what's normally a 20 minute drive to Lumberton or Silsby is now three hours. And so I have, we leave, we evacuate with a friend of mine that happened to know some side roads to get to, to the, you know, get past that first leg. And I kind of want to follow him, but I don't really, you know, cause I'm like, well, everybody else is over here. If that over there was working, they'd already be using it. Or we're going to go over there and find that that road is, is just as backed up as this one. It's a smaller road and it's going to be, it's going to take longer. It's not going to go quicker. Right. Well, it was only a little short stint. So, and he went, so I didn't want to lose him. So I followed him. We took some side roads that were like two miles parallel over, but running parallel to the evacuation route. And what was taking two hours took us, you know, 20, 30 minutes. I'm telling you, I could not believe those roads were empty. Mm -hmm. Like no one was on them. So then from there, we we got another stretch. And 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 the next stretch is the same thing. He knows another highway over on the side. So he takes us to the next leg, which would normally take two hours, but it's taking people like, a dozen hours to get there or eight or 10 hours to get there. That highway was empty, Reggie. No one was on it the whole way. We didn't even see another car. Mm-hmm. We drove the speed lane all the way to what's Jas- called Jasper, Texas. We get in Jasper, he has to go another direction. So we, I lose my buddy, <laughs> I lose my leader, you know what I mean? He's my fearless leader. So now I got to get into, and I don't know where to go from here, so now I got to get in line. So what would be the next 45 minutes takes four hours. And all the lanes are f- packed with people, okay? Now they're on the shoulders. So what's a, what's a two-lane highway is a four-lane because everybody's using the shoulders too. Now they're getting off into the grass. They finally get enough of that. They start crossing the median. Now they're driving the wrong way on the other side of the highway to go north. It's like mass chaos. And what would have taken another 20 minutes took us two more hours just to get to this next side road. We get to where the dam is up there in Jasper, if you're familiar with the area. And I'm just thinking, I don't know, if I turn right here, I have no idea where I'm going to have GPS and all that back then, right? We didn't have our phones. It should have been nice. None of that was available. So, but I'm thinking, you know, if I turn right, I don't know where it goes, but I'm thinking it can't be worse than this, right? So, but I, I radioed the crew. We got a small convoy. I'm like, hey, let's, why don't we hang right here on 288 or 55, whatever it is, and just surely there's a side road that goes north from here. And everybody's scared like I am. And finally, I decided, you know what, I'm just going. Reggie, we, we, we go, and we drove the speed limit to Dallas. Like, we're there in, like, four hours instead of 30. And everybody's dying on this one route. Not, not dying. Some of them, I think, actually did. But, but running out of fuel, running out of food, running out of everything. But they won't leave. But this is what I kept thinking. Like, there's nothing I could have told those people, I don't think, mm-hmm. to get them to follow me off that route. Mm-hmm. Even though, and I wasn't sure I was going the right way. But if I could have put a helicopter in the air, and I could have showed them, look at what's going on right here, and look at this empty highway right here. Everybody would have just left. Like, they would have followed out of there like madness. They'd have emptied that highway, and, you know, then we'd have needed another road. But, but so I guess what I'm say, trying to say is that that's what I feel like about love it's, and, and about the book, The Right Fight, and everything I'm trying to say. It's like everybody's on the same road. Like Everybody's saying the same thing, and not only does it not work, it's way worse than that. Mm-hmm. It, it leads to and ensures massive suffering. Like it, it, it just, it leads to the, the wrecking of your own life and the hurting of the people around you. And so I'm trying to tell people because they have so programmed what love is in their head that it's something completely different. And if they have the courage, it's not easy at first, but if they have the courage to, to divert mm-hmm. far enough to take a peek 
And so I'm hoping in the podcast that what we can get people to do is to reconsider because it's so counterintuitive. It's like, I know every fiber of your being is saying something else because that's the way it was for me. But if you'll come take a closer look, it's going to be like looking from that helicopter. It's going to make perfect sense. You're going to know it's the truth. And if you can follow the truth a little at a time, it's going to set you free. Mm-hmm. So what would you say love looks like on the ground, like stuck? What, what do we believe about love right now that you're trying to help us to get out of? So we believe love's a feeling. That's the first thing. Okay? And, so, and, then, and then we believe that we should love ourselves, which is the opposite of love. So love is selfless. So the, various, the very simplest definition I could give you for love, and, and, and I've asked so many people, what is love? And everybody talks about self-love, but, but if you ask them to define love, they, I can't find anybody that can really even attempt to define love. A lot of major psychologists will tell you it's indefinable, right? You can't even define it. So if you can't define it, how are you going to live it, right? right? <laughs> and so, so I would say the simplest definition of love is doing what is truly best for someone else without regard for yourself. Now, people will say, you know, that's not a feeling, right? I mean, it's obvious it's not a feeling. It's a decision. But what about the feeling of love? What's that got to do with that? And I understand that, right? Because I understand that I don't choose what I feel, Right? That's the hard part. That's what the, the super counterintuitive part. Like, I don't choose the feeling of love that I have. I really don't. I have no control over that. But I used to think that that feeling was for no reason at all. And what I didn't realize was that that feeling was for a reason. So either someone was actually loving me or I was choosing to love someone else in, in the choosing process. Just to give you an example, we're, we're in a room right now. So if somebody comes up the stairs right now with a gun and they say, one of you's coming with me, so it's me or it's you, Reggie, right? What I'm saying is that if I love me, I say, take you. That's what I'm telling you self-love is. So self-love is doing what's best for someone else without regard for yourself. Self-love is doing what's best for me without regard for you. It's the opposite, right? But here's what happens. If I say, take Reggie, I love me. If I say, take me, I love Reggie. But here's, here's where we're missing it, and, and this is the light that had to come on for me. If I love you, not feeling of love, choose to love you, so I say, take me, not Reggie, when this is over, even if you didn't know me, you're going to feel love. I loved, you're going to feel it. So if you say, take me, not Kenny, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who that guy was, man, but I, I, all I can tell you is I love the guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, or I want to love him, or, but that's what comes out of my mouth. So the feeling of love is the fruit of love. And then loving is the choosing. And so in the book, I, talk, you know, I say it's the right fight. I always fought for the fruit of love, the feeling of love. So if I fight for the feeling of love, that means I'm fighting for you to love me. And, when, and so when the guy comes in the room and I say, take Reggie because Reggie loves me, well, I'm not loving, loving Reggie anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It's your responsibility to love, not mine. It's not my responsibility to make sure you love me. Mm-hmm. My responsibility is to love. Let me give you another example. So the world says that unless you love yourself, you can't love anyone else. That's the highway. That's where everybody, that's the evacuation route. Everyone is on that route. And what I'm saying is, if you love yourself, you can't love anyone else. 
and I know that sounds crazy, but just listen to me for a second, okay? And I'm trying to get you off the highway where everybody is and they're running out of fuel and everything's going, not going to last onto a wide open highway, mm-hmm. right? So the best example or argument I ever heard for self-love was by a pastor, actually. And what he was saying was, and he made a good point, and, and I think he believed it, but I just think you need to dig a little bit deeper because it made sense to me when he first said, but this is, what he, this is the example he gave. He said, well, you're on a jet, and the oxygen leaves the plane, and the mass drop down. What do you have to do? And he says, you know, everybody, everybody knows you put your mask on first so that then you can help other people put their mask on. If you don't put your mask on first, you can't help the other people put your mask on. Right. So if you don't love yourself, how are you going to love the person next to you? But here's my challenge. What I'm saying to you is love is not what you do. It's why you do it. And it's not putting your putting your mask on first does not tell me who you love. And it doesn't reveal who you love. Why you put your mask on first reveals who you love. If you really put your mask on first so that you can help the people around you put their mask on. I would say that is not self-love. That is love. Mm-hmm. That wasn't for you. It was for them. If you put your mask on first to make sure you get a mask under the guise of helping the other people around you get a mask, that's self-love. Mm-hmm. And so, so what I'm saying is, what would you, or what I'm asking is, if you want to know who you love, you need to ask yourself, if only one mask falls down between you and the person sitting next to you, who's going to get it? Are you going to hurry up and put it on? If so, you love yourself. Are you going to help them put it on? If you do, you love them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm saying. In life, in most of my life, man, if the mask started coming down, I'd pull it out of the ceiling. I wasn't even going to wait for it to fall down. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a fighter, and I'm a, I'm a step ahead of everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm making sure I'm getting mine. And making sure I was getting mine, pulling it out of the ceiling, everything, that, that was all great in the moment. But it was slowly eating my lunch over time, and it was, it, was, it was wrecking my life and wrecking my relationships and wrecking my, my athletics and wrecking my business. And, and even when I was successful, there was no value in it because it was all selfish. And, and so when I, what I started realizing was that I had to lay my life down, like, completely. Like, even if I don't get a mask, I, I would rather give you the mask— and not live, then live with the consequences I know when I took your mask. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so your definition of love is doing what is best for others. How, how'd you say that? Without regard for yourself. Doing what is best for others without regard for yourself. Yeah, and it's why you do things that reveal who you love, why you put the mask on. Okay, so it, it crosses right over to self-care. People say self-care is self-love. Well, no, it's, I would say no, it's not. Not inher- There's nothing inherently self-loving or loving about self-care. That's just a, that's an action. Why you care for yourself reveals who you love. And Jesus pulled away for 40 days, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Pulled away from everybody. Why did he do it? Everything he did was for us. Right. I mean, everything he did. So caring for yourself, feeding yourself, taking care of yourself. That's none of that's inherently self-love. Getting yourself up every morning. All, that's none of that's inherently why you do it. The, pro, the whole problem with the self-love movement is me first. Me first. That's that's self-love. One hundred percent. It's not caring what other people think. Yeah. Right. So, so you're saying it's the motive. You're saying why is the motive for the what 
That's right. And, and if your motor's broken, look, people tend to see us outside in. But God sees us inside out. And the problem is, if people hang around long enough, they get to see the inside. And that's why so many relationships, they start out wonderful. It's all outside in. We're all doing these things that look beautiful, but we're all doing them for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And so we're always like, you know, it all starts great, but then in two years it all falls apart or a year it all falls apart. Well, it's not like we think everybody changed. No, they didn't. Nobody changed. They were, they were changed the last two years. You're just getting to see what's on the inside finally. We can only hide this so long. Like, you know, we can only make our own fruit, dress this all up pretty for so long before the inside gets revealed. And that's what was happening in my own life. Like, I could dress it all up. I could be successful. I could do all these good things. But I was scared to death the whole time because I knew it was all my work. And I, didn't, I couldn't afford for somebody to see on the inside. Mm-hmm. But, but when you get the pureness right inside, which is – God, it's Jesus, right? It all starts and ends with Him. And then you get your motives right. Then when people see past the outer layer to the inside, and they will. So, so how, how would you encourage us to uh, find out what our motive is? Wouldn't you think that, or would you think that the majority of us, of people, are not self-aware? Um, no. I, or you think they are? They're hyper-self-aware. I don't agree with that, that no one's self-aware. Um, so you think people know their motive for doing things? Oh, and yeah. No doubt, right? Now, I mean, sometimes sometimes we um, innocently do the wrong things. I'm not suggesting that's not true. Um, it's like sometimes we think we're, we're doing the right thing for the right reason, and we haven't. So, so maybe to some degree I would agree with that, you know, that, that there is some lack of self-awareness. In other words, am I really examining why I'm doing this? Am I asking myself why I'm doing it? But if you, I don't think there's anyone, if they ask why, yeah. doesn't know the answer immediately, right? Or, or, or not soon thereafter. Like if you sit down by yourself and you're like, why am I doing this? What is my real motive? Yeah. Then that it's not hard to flesh out. Yeah, my question was just simply how many people – are asking themselves, why am I doing this? Because uh, the other day, my daughter and I were at Starbucks and we were sitting outside. It was, it was close to closing time. And a delivery guy came to deliver the milk and he delivered case after case. Well, he was doing it on a dolly, but had to open the door by himself. So I got up to open, him the, do- open the door. But then after I sat down, I just asked myself, why did I open the door? Was I trying to do this for to set an example for my daughter? Was I doing it just for the best interest? This guy just needed help. And I'm wondering how many, how many times do we actually quiz ourselves to say, why did I, or why am I in pursuit of this type thing? But if you're not self-aware, there's, I don't see how you could ever reveal what your motive is. How, how would you encourage us to become, to find out the why? Yeah, but I mean, that's a challenging, uh, question you just asked right that i that in other words so just maybe there's two two types of self-awareness there's an i think there is an awareness that that we know why we're we know we're afraid and we know why we're doing the things we're doing for approval to and so in other words i think we're aware that whenever all i'm doing is just pleasing you that it's actually not best for you 
it's best for me. Okay, so I think I think we're aware of that. Um, now there are, I would think, I, I would say, and I do the same exact same thing you just mentioned there. I mean, I often do things, and then after I've done them, sit down and think, you know, I, I wasn't even really conscious of, fully conscious of why I did it, mm-hmm. but now that I'm thinking about it, mm-hmm. I need to get that straight. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't need to do it anymore. Yeah. I just need to do it for the right reason going forward. Right. Because, yeah, I did it for the attention. You know, I stopped and helped that lady with the flat tire um, because, you know, made me a nice guy, yeah. right? And that's the wrong reason to do it. Yeah. And so, so I, I guess, the, yeah, there's, there's a self-awareness I think we all have. Uh, but, no, maybe not. A, maybe we do need to ask ourselves why a lot more, you know. Gets down to the core. Right. But I think I think the beautiful thing is if we do ask why, we don't have a hard time figuring it out. You know what I mean? I mean, even a lot of people I've talked to that have come and, and just 20 years of doing Shields of Strength, everything. I'm, just, I'm not a counselor, but I end up talking to people all the time trying to help. Um, I've never found anybody that has gone through a lot of terrible decisions and has come out. And if you ask them, did they really not know? They, I've never had anybody say, man, I just never had any idea. They all say I knew all along. I just – I either didn't have the courage to do the right thing or I was too hurt or, you know, I, I, what, for whatever reason they justified what they knew wasn't right. So I think if we ask why, we know. Good deal. Well, that brings us to the close of uh, Episode 2. Look forward to uh, continuing this conversation with Episode 3. Thanks, Kenny, for your time and for the insight and provoking us to think a little bit deeper into the motive and the why behind why we do what we do. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Right Fight Podcast. Make sure to check out Kenny's book, The Right Fight, for more on how to live a loving life. It's available on their website, shieldsofstrength.com, Audible, and all digital platforms. If you have any questions for the podcast, you can email support at shieldsofstrength.com and put podcast as the subject. And make sure to follow Kenny on Instagram and TikTok at John Kennedy Vaughn. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.